This is the Child Discipleship Podcast powered by Awana. My name is Ross. You know who you are. Thank you for listening. I'm so glad that you're here. Today, I'm joined by Tiffany McCullough from the Brentwood Baptist Church in Brentwood, Tennessee. Tiffany is the special needs minister. Tiffany, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here today. And I also have Marlon Washington, executive producer extraordinaire. Marlon's hanging out with us for this episode. Marlon, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. It is. So listen, um, I, Tiffany, I want to jump right in because okay. if folks go to the show notes, wherever they're listening, they can mm-hmm. learn more about your ministry and they can see some pretty amazing videos about Great. the journey that you and Brentwood Baptist specifically have been on. But I want to okay. start by talking about you. How did okay. you first get connected to serving this community? Um, what was that process like? Sure. I, my degree and my experience um all really began in the special ed world so i i majored in special education um focused a lot on behavior and things like that and i um you know focused on that in some graduate work and so i was in the williamson county school system um here for close to 17 years and so i had the opportunity to be a special education teacher um, I was able to be a behavior specialist and then concluded my time in the school system as um, an assistant principal. So so I really was able to spend a lot of time in many years, you know, working directly with the families in the school setting, you know, and, and really develop an appreciation Um for what they go through as parents, you know, Mm -hmm. and what they juggle and what their struggles are. And to be on that side of the table, you know, in, in that setting, and then to be able, you know, God kind of turned my path and, you know, he does that when we least expect it and put something in our lap. And the, Brentwood was hiring a full-time special needs minister. And so I was presented, you know, with the job description and just told, you know, just read over this. This literally looks like you on a piece of paper. So I know you're happy where you are, but just, just, you know, let's see what God might have in store. And so nine months later or so I was um, accepting the role and and starting at Brentwood as the first full-time minister devoted to special needs. Yeah. Now I want to dive into that really specifically. Mm-hmm. I also love that because that sound you hear is the amount of people who heard someone say, this looks like you on a piece of paper when yes. it comes to serving at a church mm-hmm. context. Um, yes. Yes. But you guys are, you guys serve in Broward, Tennessee, which mm-hmm. is obviously an affluent area. And I want to drive right at what I think is going to be mm-hmm cynicism that could be part of this podcast yeah you start you were the first full time person dedicated to this Mm -hmm. community Mm -hmm. which means that you had to navigate how to serve them what the Mm -hmm. challenges were Mm -hmm. in the same exact way regardless of what your zip code would have been correct and i think i personally want to call that out i don't want to put words in your mouth because Mm -hmm. i think too often when people approach this conversation around special needs discipleship we immediately start looking for excuses and ways sure. where this isn't going to work for us. We don't have sure. this. We don't have that. I don't have the credentials, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But when you were getting this started, mm-hmm. what were some of the early 
roadblocks that you had to navigate around, but also mm. what were some of those early successes? I think the most important thing, and I, I go back to this pretty often in just as a leader and as someone, you know, we essentially were blazing a trail, right. And just in figuring something out that hadn't um, previously existed. And so a lot of what had to be done that I believe is so critical is listening, you know, and, and, and when we listen to the people that we're serving and we listen to what is the need that is so out front right now and that is so apparent and that needs to be addressed, um, the, you know, it's like God literally has put it in our lap, you know, and so my job, I felt coming into this role it was very important that I make listening a priority, whether that was listening to all, we have eight campuses. So listening to the campus pastors, listening to the kids minister, listening to the preschool ministers, listening to parents of, you know, kiddos and adults that have been impacted by disability. Um, and, and really just taking time to ask them some intentional questions that I had come up with that I felt like would guide me to the info I then needed to, to move forward on this path. And, you know, that was, that was very, very helpful information that still to this day, you know, has driven many of the foundational pieces, you know, that had to be put in place at the beginning. Some of the probably hurdles and um, setbacks I don't even know if it was necessarily a hurdle, but it was something that I would, if I was me seven years ago, I would yeah. want someone to, I would have wanted someone to tell me this is that when you come onto a church staff um, in any capacity and are trailblazing something, you know, and a lot of churches haven't done special needs, or if they are, maybe they're just struggling and it's not really taking hold. And, um, but I think, something that I realized very quickly that was also so important was educating the staff and equipping them. Mm -hmm. Because in seminary, when you are doing what you do, there's not a lot, if any class that you go through on disability. And, you know, so me coming into this with the background I had and the years of experience, I realized very quickly that no one on staff um, had just awareness and just basic knowledge of how do we talk to these families? How do we not offend these families? What are they looking for? What do they need? Um, how do we reach the whole family, you know, and not just the individual impacted by disability? So that was a really fun piece, and it continues to be that I am not only able to lead and guide the the staff we have for our Embrace Special Needs Ministry, but our staff as a whole for the church. And that's really, really fun. Yeah. You, you touched on something there, which is where I wanted to go next, which is any ministry in children's ministry would tell you that they are also a family ministry, but sure. this sure. part of the kingdom is particularly mm -hmm. a family ministry. Mm-hmm. So many ministries around the country are, uh, I heard some, someone describe it to me once as birth to grave. We don't care how old you are. We're just it here is. to serve you. Yeah. It okay. absolutely is. So what I'm curious about though, mm -hmm. is in, in that spirit of education, 
you know, we talk about child discipleship and we have almost a intrinsic, intrinsic understanding of here's what this looks like. Here's mm-hmm. what this feels like. But obviously discipleship of someone who has been impacted by a physical or mental disability mm-hmm. isn't necessarily going to look the way that it's going to look for someone who has a neurotypical or sure. is ambulatory. Right. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is not a fair question to ask to be answered in just a couple of minutes, but I'm going to ask okay. it anyway, which okay. is how do you begin to define what discipleship looks like for people when we're talking about someone who's nonverbal mm-hmm. or non-ambulatory or how think, can you see and trust that God's working in that process? I think that so much of that comes from the ways that you really dive in. And we have to, we must do this well in special needs and disability ministry is understanding, you know, like, let's say a children's minister does a new Christians class, right? For all the first through third graders interested in moving forward in this process. And that's probably a a fairly general, right? Presentation that is understood by everyone in that, in that class. And then I think you, you take that and you go, in this type of ministry to families and individuals who've been impacted by disability, every single individual in our ministry is so unique. The way they learn, the way they process, the way they understand the world around them, the way they sense what's happening in their immediate physical environment and the things that can trigger them or the things that can bring them joy, um, the things that can make them feel unsafe. And I think through time, when you know those things, just like we, we have, you know, teaching the gospel and um, having a, a story presented and scripture that goes with that and songs that go with that and a hands-on manipulative activity that goes with that. All of those things we take into account to be sure that they are, they know of the Lord's love for them and his care for them. But for every friend in our ministry, that's going to look really different. You know, and and that so I I think we have as disability and special needs ministers and leaders, we have to understand that first you've got to know the needs of that individual and their level of functioning and what they are able to understand. And then that's where we that's kind of where the fun starts, you know, of just like in a school setting, you take content that is being presented and in a classroom of all these different types of learners, you have to you have to kind of tear that and go, this is what this group needs, this is what this friend needs. And um, but the gospel is is not compromised, you know, like the, no matter what, whether that's through visuals or um, things that they're hearing or things mm-hmm. that they're feeling and touching or things they're experiencing or things they're building with their hands, you know, it is, or something they're singing. Um, that is the message is the same, but the way they each walk through that and process that is different. Yeah. So, you know, Tiffany, that is such a beautiful picture of what you just described. What I have noticed in all that you've said is not once have you tried to make sure to acclimate the friend to you, the friend mm-hmm. to your church. You have mm-hmm. constantly listening and caring mm-hmm. for each one. And you're teaching the people around to mm-hmm. come around and come along, which is just mm-hmm. such a beautiful picture of discipleship. And and so mm-hmm. how did you all come up with the word friend? You, you, you call them friends instead of 
Yeah. Students. Um, I just, I always have, I, I, I did that. They just, they are our friends. I don't, I think a lot of people that don't maybe know or understand or have a lot of experience with special needs ministry to me early on, that was a term that kind of removed a lot of that fear and Mm -hmm. removed some of those maybe assumptions that folks have not, not to be mean or to be hurtful intentionally, but when you, you know, when people don't know there's fear, right. Just automatically when there's not knowledge and there's not understanding, we can resort to just being, Oh, well, I'm not going to, that's too much for me, or I can't do that, or that's scary. Mm -hmm. So I I felt like calling them our friends was an easy way to not only let that individual know that we see them, we value them, they matter to us, um, they're welcome here. um, But that also says to everyone else around that these are our friends. We're, we're hanging out. We're, I mean, you know, and you think about in your life who your friends are, you know, those are people that you respect. They're people that you're honest with. They're people that you do life with. And so we, that's just kind of been part of our vernacular, you know, just from the start. So. So going off of that, one of the things that I think people do is they they put language as a roadblock or they put mm. what their resources are as the as sure. a roadblock or all kinds put, of things they put in some, many ways whatever they can yeah and as marlon was alluding to you know you keep you keep describing the ways in which you guys are creating environments you are you are helping the your friends feel like they belong mm-hmm. and it's one of the things that i always come back to thinking about those who listen to the podcast a long time know about my uncle mickey and all that he has done mm. for my own discipleship and mm-hmm. how much God reflects, how much I see of God reflected in Mickey in the mm-hmm. sense that um, who God made Mickey to be and who mm-hmm. God made those friends to be, mm-hmm. that is how I should be looking at everyone, mm-hmm. the individuality of who he is, how he mm-hmm. processes the world, how he sees the world. When we put that uniformity mm-hmm. and try to put people in boxes, it is often mm-hmm. when we begin to rely more on the the methodology of discipleship mm-hmm. rather mm-hmm. than the Holy spirit and the mission of discipleship mm-hmm. above all else. Mm-hmm. But what I'm curious about is, you know, you guys went from going from, you're the first person trailblazing is the mm-hmm. word you kept saying, which I love. Mm-hmm. And that ended with uh, the Rowan Glenn center. Yeah. And I'm curious what that journey was. Cause not everyone's going to wind up with a fully dedicated building. No, they don't need to. Mm -mm. exactly can you tell us more about that sure we we started you know when i was able to start here we probably had four to six families you know who had kind of been a part of the church for a long time and established and had a child that had been impacted by a disability and just became more and more apparent which is then of course how they saw we need to designate some personnel you know and hire a staff member and Um, so we started, you know, we had a little classroom upstairs in the children's ministry and it had a little table in it. And I put some sensory things in there and we just started rocking and rolling. And, um, we probably serve close to 90 families now, um, six and a half years later. And it's just a, a neat testimony to how, you know, we would be in a space and we'd outgrow that space. And then we 
kicked adult groups out of a hallway and <laughs> took over seven or eight rooms, you know, and outfitted those rooms, um, you know, with globe lights and um, sensory, all kinds of things and mm -hmm. bean bags and bubble tubes and um, different types of curriculum and um, things to play music and um, really just started that would I would say when we when we had that hallway space and more things to dream and be creative with is when my wheels started really turning of just oh my goodness what would a uniquely designed space just for friends with disabilities from the ceiling to the floor what would what could that look like and so we started we were able and super blessed to be able to start a project and have it fully paid for. And, um, we have a building that is 15,000 square feet of, of space. And we are able to serve, um, we, you know, designed the space very specifically. Um, every single room in this building is very, very specifically and uniquely designed for what our friends need. Um, and we have spaces for preschoolers, kids, students and adults. So we, we are just, it has been a fun ride. Um, we have learned a ton. I know that I never want to be an architect and <laughs> I never, never want, never, ever want to work in construction. Um, but we, but boy, did I learn a lot in those two years of this process. And it was, um, just really, I think the the biggest thing, though, we are so grateful for the space that we have and so grateful and understand that, I, you know, I'm not aware of another facility anywhere that that is quite like this in size and uniqueness, you know, but I I've so much more want folks to understand that it is not this building that makes our ministry it, not for a moment is, is this building? Yes. Are there things we're able to do? And, um, you know, we have an adult day program that we're able to run out of this building on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and there are respite events that we do. And, um, there's a lot of things that, but, but we absolutely never, ever, ever want anyone to hear that because, because of this space is why God, you know, has blessed this ministry in the way that it has the reason this, this ministry is impacting lives and changing families is because every single thing that we do, I feel like we want to bring glory to the Lord. And we want, mm -hmm. we know if we love and care for individuals with disabilities well, and we do that with excellence and we do that with Christ at the forefront, then we're freeing up the rest of the family <laughs> every member of that family to then be engaged in whatever area of our church they feel God leading them to, you know, mm -hmm. we'll have parents that say, gosh, since our child was born eight years ago, we haven't been to church together as a family. You know, dad will stay home one week. Mom will stay home the next week. Wow. They're, they're never together in worship in a life group as a couple. They're not. Um, so, so our main goal and we would do it in a tent in a parking lot if that's what we had to do <laughs> is that when when we do when we care for these individuals and this community of folks that god has put before us 
then we not only are changing and impacting that life for the kingdom, we're freeing up the rest of the family to then go and pursue whatever God is putting in their heart. And that for me is the golden ticket. That is why we do what we do. And we would do that, like I said, in a field on the side of the road. Um, if that's, if that's what we had to work with, um, those in special needs world are very good at being creative and flexible (laughs) with (laughs) very little. So, um, but that is, I think any ministry that has a heart to reach these families, if that is your priority, you know, and that is what you keep in front of you, um, you will absolutely experience success and, and really incredible blessings, I think. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Before we get back to the show, have you heard about childdiscipleship.com? Our team has intentionally crafted this growing collection of insights and resources to help you pass on a legacy of faith. We're committed to keeping things simple, rooted in scripture, and ultimately practical to serve you and your ministry. How do we raise kids to be resilient disciples and lead the church into the future? How do we help them know, love, and serve Jesus for the rest of their lives? These are the sort of questions we will make our best efforts to wrestle with and answer at childdiscipleship.com. But we want to do that with you. This is about more than crafts and snacks, people. Check out childdiscipleship.com, powered by Awana, today. Like I said, I would love for people to check out the show notes where they can learn more about your ministry. Mm-hmm. But I love, I love the image of you guys being on a, in a tent on the side of the road doing it. Hey, we would do would. it. Don't, Absolutely, that sounds like a challenge now. Actually, right. <laughs> like, let's, let's see if we can make it happen. <laughs> I'm like, you don't know me, but that, challenge no. accepted. <laughs> but the thing, so here's where I want to take this conversation next because what I loved about learning about the ministry and preparing for this conversation is that is so clear from everything that you do good that you're that you are here to serve those families Mm -hmm. regardless of what is in your way Mm -hmm. that you're that you are trusting god to provide a path forward Mm -hmm. because when we talk about child discipleship it is an incomplete conversation until we are talking about every child and what you were just and what you were just talking about the opportunity to give families the mm. chance to fully experience all that God is having for them is such a mm-hmm. wonderful blessing as well. Mm-hmm. Now, those who are still listening to, with us are mm-hmm. um, likely folks who have been either invested in this world for a long time and mm-hmm. are like, sure, are just yelling at whatever device they're listening to, yelling amen and wishing I yeah. would talk less, yeah. right? <laughs> and then you also have folks who are really ready to do this. Yes. have a lot of fear and trepidation. Yes, yes. And one of the things that I know is so close to your heart is how mm-hmm. you serve these families well. And one of the things that I know from my own experience is one of the things that this community, the families of those who have, have a child who have been impacted by a disability mm-hmm. are constantly having sort of resources pulled away from them or something is promised to them and then it goes away. It's a fight. It's It's always a fight fight. constantly. 
Mm-hmm. One of the things that's very clear is that you have figured out a way to build this ministry in a sustainable way and a stable mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How, how have you gone about doing that? Because you're not charging hell with the gates with uh, the gates of hell with a squirt gun. Mm-hmm. You are figuring out ways to serve your family well um, mm-hmm. each and every week. Mm-hmm. I feel like we, we have always tried as a team to, you know, those that serve alongside of me on this embrace team and those in other, you know, the preschool ministers and staff, the kids ministers and staff, I feel like we have tried very with much intentionality to be sure that even though there's 19 amazing ideas and such fantastic things, we have to stay in the lane that we feel like God has given us. And I have prayed faithfully that God would not let us and not let me as a leader stray from that. Right. I mean, we could have an equestrian center and have therapeutic horse riding and overnight care for adults with disabilities and residential program. I mean, you the things people have said, well, have you thought about this? Why don't you do this? And I feel like all of those things are fantastic. But what I've loved is being in this area is that we have built a community where we come together once a month with leaders. I wanted every leader that is possible from a nonprofit, from another church. If you're impacting families, the special need families in this community, I want you guys all in a room together. And when we come together, it's neat to go, okay, Friends Life is doing this. Brightstone is doing this. Church of the City is doing this. And we're not competing. We're not all against, you know, well, they did that first. Why didn't we think of that? And there's, you know, five churches that are doing respite nights. So we try to do our respite events on other weekends so that parents can double dip and triple dip, right. you know. And so I think that it's it's fun for me to go. Yes. Are there 82 things that would just be a dream and amazing for our ministry to tackle? Sure. But I'm going to lose staff. Everybody's going to burn out very quickly. And the quality and the excellence with which we do what God's given us to do is going to suffer. And for me, that's not okay. That's a non-negotiable. So I think we have tried to not only understand what is happening in the community around us. So what are other churches doing? What are other special needs ministries doing? What are nonprofits doing? And all of these things we make available and, 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 and promote and talk about. And so it, it really is not about just us being the greatest and the best because we're not, but it, it's it's about all of us in this community who touch these families and are in their geographic circles, you know, that we go, okay, with what God's given us today here at Brentwood, with our resources, with our staff, with our level, number of volunteers, what is feasible <laughs> where everyone's still going to be safe because I'm not ever going to compromise safety and security. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um what is possible and what can we do well for the kingdom? And that's what we do. And then we just stay 
you know, and, and three years ago, what that was looks really different from what it is today. So we have to continually, it's not like you get in a spot and you're like, great, we're going to rock this for 20 years. You know, it's like, no, we're going to do this today, but expect that God's going to bring seven new things to our plate Mm -hmm. and we're going to adjust and take something away or shift in, you know, and so it is ever evolving, I guess, is, is where we've had to land as a team and have grace with ourselves to know, you know, this is, this is great for this season. This is probably going to look really different in two years and that's okay. You know, that's, that's healthy and that's, and that's good. And, and what God gives us and the things he you know, puts on our heart to do in two years, maybe, maybe different, maybe different in the fall of this year. So I think being tuned into that and being okay with that is mm-hmm. really important. And how do you stay tuned in to make all, cause you're making a lot of uh, big decisions. Mm-hmm. And there's a com- you can, you know, there's a confidence, even just in how, how you talk about, every single adjustment that you made, mm-hmm. there's no wavering in how you communicate. How do you, how do you stay in tune to, for these decisions? I think that, you know, being absolutely sure that your walk with the Lord, you know, is understanding, you know, that that has to be just paramount. That must be a priority and that must be mm-hmm. something that, you know, I've tried and we all have to serve out of our own strength, out of our own ideas, out of our own. Um, yeah. But God, God has also been in the way that he loves us, <laughs> has given me, you know, some things in my life that have quickly reminded me that I desperately need him mm. and uh, that I, my dependency must, absolutely must um, not waver from him for a moment, you know, and when yeah. it does, I know that. And we all do as leaders, right? The minute that we have a week and we're like, oh, burn, you know, it's like <laughs> right. burning the candle at both ends and yes. haven't slept. And I've, I've responded to folks in a way where I'm like, was not my best, best self today. Yeah. You know, and you have to go back and, and just be like, I'm so sorry for, you know, and, and you can tell, right. That, that it's got to come back, right. You've drifted mm-hmm. a little bit and, and come back. But I think that, when we, and, and I think our team being connected in that way, praying for each other, talking, you know, how are we specifically lifting each other up, you know, and being checked in to, because we have lives and families and, and commitments outside of this ministry that are all part of what we bring to the table every day. So as a leader, I hope I'm not perfect at this, but I hope that each year that goes by that I am setting an example and that I am caring well and loving my staff well. Um, and, yeah. and that is what we then pour out to our volunteers. And that is what we pour out to, um, the families in our ministry. So I think that's, that's critical and, and leaning on each other, you know, the other, I think something I'm really proud of that Brentwood does well is we are not siloed. It's not like, well, that's student ministry. So y'all just mm-hmm. figure that out. And I hope it works, but it's it, all of us, you know, the student minister, the preschools folks, the children's folks, we are very cohesive, very much collaborative and work together and, and talk through things and brainstorm together and share, you know, 
struggles and things that were like, what is the answer? <laughs> yes, the, three things, <laughs> yeah. the three things we thought were going to work totally did not. So I think it's just remembering that it never needs to be just about Tiffany or about somebody else on my staff or about um, our church even. It's yeah. it's what the Lord has put in front of us and that we just are listening and being the vessels, you know, the hands and feet of Jesus. Like he's, I'm like, whatever you want to do with us, please wow. just let us not get Help us not get in the way. <laughs> okay, so so he's, okay, so to the church that just received their first family that mm-hmm. has a, a child that has special needs, what mm-hmm. is the what does the first step look like? What is the first step for that so if, that church? If they if they show up on a Sunday and are curious, mm-hmm. you know, the folks in all the other ministries, the folks at our our hospitality team, our guest services, they all have talking points on each ministry, so they know pretty you know overarching general things they can say to give those families guidance. But we guide families to our website and we give them a QR okay. code, and they then go online and have to fill out a registration form. And then we reach out that following week and schedule an intake meeting. So, so we have a pretty, pretty specific process, but we found that, you know, in order to that, those meetings are so rich because we're able to sit down in a space that is quiet, that we can focus just on those parents and those caregivers for that individual and, the form that we've had them fill out gives us great information. And then we just dig deeper, you know, into that info and talk through that with that family. So from the start, it is our hope that families know, even by our process that is, is non-negotiable. This this is the way, you know, that we care and, and you're not just going to, you know, most friends with disabilities, they're not going to walk up and just drop them off. Like special needs families have been that enough churches or been burned, you know, and been hurt Mm -hmm. and they are wary of that. So most of them, you know, have heard about our ministry and they go to the website and then very quickly you can see, you know, there's a process. So, so they, that's kind of where we start for sure. And then, Mm -hmm. okay. So then what is the challenge to, a church that may have never done this, but you want to challenge them to mm-hmm. open their arms to embrace the yeah. special needs community. Yeah. I think that I tell a lot of folks, cause we, that's one of my favorite things of being in this position is the folks that do reach out, that we can help, that we can encourage. And, you know, that a volunteer may say to me, I'm just doing this at my church in a vol- on a volunteer basis. We have no budget, no money. Yes. And I'm like, okay, let's figure this out. And, and we still come up with, you know, seven or eight ideas and ways they can meet those needs. But I think that it's understanding first what your need is, you know, as a mm. church and then who, you know, I had a church one time that we were talking and she said, we don't have any adults coming to us with disabilities, but we have like 15 preschoolers. And I'm like, then that's where you start that. Don't Mm. worry about students. Don't worry about adults. Don't, that is what God's put before you. And that's what's specific to your area. So start there, you know, and then I think it's, 
It's really determining based on your staff, based on, you know, the way you work with the other ministries, preschool, children's, students, adults, um, looking at what can we do? What's the, you know, is it equipping families with something that their child or adult can have in the service to keep them occupied? Mm -hmm. Is it, you know, is it something that we can have a little cart with all these special needs supports and resources on the cart. And that cart is controlled by a volunteer that goes to different places throughout the building. You know, is there um, a space where you can create a little sensory spot, you know, for some friends who have higher needs and need a quieter, calmer space. Um, There's just, there's a million ways, you know, we can sit and dream up what's possible with pretty much nothing, you know? Um, And that's what I want. I would want churches to know and understand is that the, really the only thing you need to start any kind of special needs ministry and, and care for those folks that God brings to your church is, you know, a person that has a little bit of understanding and knowledge and just a heart that's willing. And with that, oh man, sky's the limit, you know? And, wow, and wow. what God will do when you take that first, that first step in faith, right. And go, mm-hmm. okay, we've got these three preschoolers and we're going to love them. Well, we're going to meet their needs as best we can. We're going to also be honest about what we're unable to do. You know, I yeah. think parents appreciate that. Um, if there's a severe behavior need or a medical need and your, your staff is not equipped to do that and you don't have maybe a nurse on side or something that I think we owe it to parents to be really honest about that and say, here's what we are able to offer. And here's what we're just not in a spot, you know, and, and able to do right now. And I think parents appreciate that honesty and that but transparency. Also being able to have that long-term vision like you've had, right. Mm-hmm. You started in one classroom and then an entire center, right? Like, I think it's also important, like, I love all the practical examples you've given people who are mm-hmm. listening, mm-hmm. but I think it's also important to do, to hold those things at the same time that this sure. is what I can do now. And I can be it honest is. about what I can do now, but. And it's enough. Be it's okay. Enough. That yes. it's enough. Mm-hmm. Yes. That, that yes. I would, I wish that was like on a shirt for disability <laughs> leaders, like <laughs> give yourself grace and Marlon, no, call the marketing team. Let's put it on. Let's get that's some merch. Right, that's right. So what, what you're doing, if you are, you know, praying about what God has put in front of you and if God's brought people with hearts that are willing, um, then rest in knowing he's, that's enough. That mm. is okay. Because what we're doing today in Embrace is not what we were doing six and a half years ago. Thank God. Like that would have been an utter disaster, (laughs) you know, that would have not gone well, but you know, and then you look at that and you go, gosh, six years from now, who knows, you know, but it's remembering to stay in the lane for today and remembering that today God is, God has given us what he knows we are we have, he's entrusted to us. He's given that to us for a reason and a really specific purpose. And for today, for this season, for such a time as this, that's where our focus is. Um, and then being sure that we shift and adjust and we adapt as we need to. So, 
Well, thank you so much, Tiffany. Wow. It is so yes. encouraging to get to meet you, to get a chance to talk to you and You're know welcome. more about your ministry. And I would hope that folks who are listening um, understand the many ways in which we are not being prescriptive about what works for your community, but that sure. I am, am certainly insisting, and I know Tiffany would join me in this, that you have what you need to start because you wouldn't still be listening to me if you didn't. You that do. The yep. willingness is what's most important and that it letting is. God do the rest. Yeah, um, and God, he will. He will be faithful. And, and at the beginning, that's hard to rest in, right? And trust in that when it seems yeah. so daunting and overwhelming. But um, if folks don't hear anything else, I would hope that they hear like, get out of the way and God will absolutely take it to places you never dreamed possible. You know, just like he says in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, you know, he faithfully can do more than we could ever ask or imagine. Um, so that, that has been, it's been really neat to see evidence of that for sure. What a mic drop. Uh, Tiffany, it was great to get to know you. Marlon, thank you for the time. And we will talk to all of you next week. Hey, before we go, I just want to shout out Dave and Jess Ray, my friends at Doorpost Songs. You've heard them on the podcast multiple times. And a cool new thing they're doing is their Promises Family Worship Experience. Dave and Jess are the real deal. They are brilliant musicians and are so passionate about discipleship, it's contagious. They're going to help you this spring turn your children's choir program into a high-energy family worship event. This worship experience will bring your church and your families together in brand new ways. And the digital product includes everything you need. Most importantly, like everything Doorpost does, God's Word is at the center of it all. If you're ready, email them at info at doorpostsongs.com today. That's I-N-F-O at D-O-O-R-P-O-S-T-S-O-N-G-S dot com. The Child Discipleship Podcast is powered by Awana. Thanks to the donations of generous folks like you, Awana partners with 62,000 churches in 130 countries to make resilient disciples. When you give to Awana, you are investing in lasting faith. Young people who will engage the culture with the gospel and fearlessly lead the church into the future. To make a donation to this mission, go to awana.org donate. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and check out the show notes of today's episode for relevant links from this conversation, as well as information about other podcasts from Awana. The podcast is mixed, edited, and produced by Marlon Washington and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and Hits by Jude. You also heard All Let Go, provided by Josiah Williams from his album Rerouting 2. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.